Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Just a, uh, a couple quick things. Um, singing was great. Man, I was nailing it. And so uh, it was really, really good. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an idea. Uh, my wife dropped me off tonight, not because I'm old, uh, and I, you know, the walker thing. And on the way here, I said to my wife, I said, you know, this is wild. I said, here, Wednesday night, speaking to Thrive, college students, uh, you know, my son comes to Thrive, all of that. Now, Sunday, I'm in a church where there's 35 people and everyone's over 70. And I'm like, man, what a difference. And so hopefully their TVs will work there. And so, um, oh, that's so passive aggressive. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> sorry. So, hey, just in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Craig Peters. Let me give you a little bit of idea of who I am, then we'll launch into tonight. So um, I am the executive director of what is called Equip Ministries International. We travel the world. We train overseas pastors and church leaders that have very little Bible training, if at all. And so we are in countries like Cambodia, Thailand, uh, uh, Moldova, Guatemala, Myanmar, Kenmore, um, and, and so, uh, yeah, the uttermost parts of the world. And so uh, uh, it, is, it is the best job anyone could ever have. It is incredible. Uh, we are spoiled. There is a seminary and Bible college around every corner here. You don't get that overseas. And so a lot of these pastors, they have no Bible training, and so Equip Ministries comes in, and we train in the area of doctrine and discipleship and Bible study methods, and it's incredible. And to see these pastors go back to their church and empower their church, and we give them materials in their own language, and it's incredible. And so uh, one of the places we are in is Myanmar, and if you've heard anything in the news lately about Myanmar, huge military coup that took over the entire country, and uh, pastors are having to flee into the jungle. I have a picture, I didn't, I, I don't, I didn't give it tonight, uh, of one of the pastors that I know is digging a tunnel in the jungle to hide in from the military. Because right now the military is just randomly shooting people. And so it's just amazing. Uh, and so um, I'm headed to the DR uh, on uh, May 6th to do a marriage conference. My wife is not going with me. It's in Punta Cana of all places. I mean, who, who doesn't want to go to Punta Cana? And so she said, I can't go. And so I travel with another guy, and he's like, I'll go with you. And I go, no, that would be weird. Uh, it would be really weird. And so uh, in the DR, I'm home for a week. Then I, we go to Guatemala for a week. And so we're starting to, to travel. And so uh, you maybe don't know me, but just pray that God would just uh, really uh, get the attention and grab the hearts of these pastors. We, we love them. And so how many of you here, just raise a hand, have been on a short-term missions? Yeah. If you haven't raised your hand tonight, um, you need to go. You, you need to go on a short term. It changes your perspective of the world, of everything that's going on. And uh, if you're walking with Jesus today, you go on a short-term missions trip, it just solidifies that even more so. And so, um, okay. Um, I don't know what goes through your mind or uh, what stories you play out in your mind when you hear the word regret. Would you say that word with me? Regret. Say it again. Regret. Uh, for me, uh, it's a commercial. 
uh, when, I, when I think or I hear the word regret. The commercial's been out for now almost two years. It's a, it's a commercial of a girl eating a Milky Way candy bar while she's giving this big, burly, quite intimidating biker a tattoo on his arm. And she's so focused on eating the Milky Way candy bar that she tattoos on his arm no regrets instead of no regrets. Uh, it's a great, great commercial. The point being is that we can become so focused on some things that it overflows into different areas of our life. Sometimes that's good. Most of the time, it's not. So what do we all have in common here tonight is this. Every single one of us throughout our lifetime will make thousands upon thousands of decisions. It's just a given. Some will be minor, some will be major. Some will be ones that you don't even remember making. Others you will always remember making. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That there are certain decisions that you made that you think, oh man, I'm glad I made that, and others that you're like, that was not good. A decision is still a decision. And I think all of us sitting here tonight would say, you know, when a decision is made, that decision is set into motion. And it kind of goes down the pipeline of life, and it has the potential to bless and encourage and inspire and influence my life as well as those around me. Those are great decisions. But it also has the potential to curse and to destroy and to shatter my life and the life of those around me as well. I know you don't take notes. But you show me your decisions and I'll show you your future. Um, in our lives... Our lives and decisions are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Uh, what we think and the decisions we make shape our lives. Nowhere is that more evident than when my wife and I went down to Florida in March, and uh, I'm laying uh, in the hotel bed, and I've got the uh, remote, and I come to an ESPN show where they're intervi interviewing Tom Brady shortly after the Super Bowl win. And they are talking about something that happened to Tom Brady. Maybe you saw this. That the whole Tampa Bay community comes out. And he's in a boat. They're going through this channel. There's people along the sides. People are screaming and celebrating. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's boats in front of him. There's boats behind him. Tom Brady is like three sheets to the wind. He's had about ten too many, you know. And he's like, yeah, Buccaneers. Is that who I play for? You know, he is so out of it, you know. And all of a sudden, the boat behind him, um, from me to, um, is it Kyle? Yeah, you too. Uh, right there. <laughs> um, someone says he's got the Lombardi trophy in his hand. Have you seen this? He takes the Lombardi, Lombardi trophy and somebody says, throw the trophy. And he throws the trophy and we'll just take a look at it, okay? This trophy, we'll see here. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. <laughs> yeah, he's so drunk, he doesn't remember this. That was the he most important catch of the season right there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> anyway, well, the, the, the person that had the most common sense in, in all the people there was his eight-year-old daughter. That just as he's ready to throw the Lombardi trophy, she goes, Dad, no, no. If someone would have missed that and it would have gone in the channel or the canal, it would have gone down 30 feet. So they were doing an interview with him, and they said, uh, Tom, what were you 
thinking. And he goes, yeah, that's just it. I wasn't thinking. He probably didn't remember that he did it, okay? And uh, he's like, yeah, I just, I just did I don't know why I did that. And it caused me to just think, you know what, I need to take a better look at my life in the decisions that I'm making. And so I started to jot down what I call take-to-heart lessons that I want to pass on to you tonight, okay? And I'm going to give you a number of take-to-heart lessons in regards to just making better decisions and fewer regrets, okay? Take-to-heart lesson number one is good questions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets, Good decisions lead to better decisions, and better decisions lead to fewer regrets, okay? Um, on the back end of every poor or foolish decision is someone who says or thinks, I should have asked more questions. I should have asked more questions. I should have asked more questions in that job interview. I should have asked more questions in that relationship. I should have asked more questions before I signed my name to the timeshare. I should have asked more questions. How would you finish that? I should have asked more questions. Now, if there's somebody that made a ton, uh, asked a ton of questions, it's Jesus. And Jesus, when he asks a question and he looks through the Gospels, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's God. He's sovereign. Okay? But he asks a question to probe into our thinking so that we could think rationally, spiritually, and wisely. Someone tell me, what is the ultimate gain in asking questions? What's the ultimate gain? What? Knowledge. knowledge. You get knowledge. What else? Insight. Experience. Wisdom. Vision. All of these things that you get when you ask questions. Now, just think for a second. Has there been a time in your life when you should have asked more questions? And now you have more regrets than you do good decisions. And so um, questions are like guardrails. They keep us from making those over-the-cliff decisions. So that's the first take to heart. A second one is our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. Our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. You show me someone who's disciplined, and I'll show you someone who's making good decisions. Have you ever met somebody no discipline, poor decisions. Anybody know of someone like that? Okay, one of you. The rest of you are liars. You probably have done this, okay? Uh, we, we find ourselves not disciplined in an area of our life, and so the decisions we make then are poor. And so a lot of times in our life, we develop, if we develop the discipline of just hitting the pause button just for a second and pushing away from the table and asking really the ultimate question, it would bring us so much more peace and so much more joy and so much more purpose in life. And we call this the integrity question. And the integrity question is this. Am I being honest with myself? Am I really being honest with myself when I'm making this decision? If I gave you a three-by-five card tonight and I said, write down the top five or ten things that you're having to make decisions on in life. I think most of us would be able to do that. And then ask yourself, am I really being honest with myself? Now, I'll give $20 to the first person without using your phones or getting any help who was the very first person that started the phrase, honesty is the best policy. Who was it? Who said Abraham Lincoln? Wrong. Okay, okay. all right. 
Who else? I know you're going to get it. Walt Disney. No. 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 Jesus didn't say honesty is the best policy. On the Sermon on the Mount, I don't ever remember him saying, you know, everyone, honesty is the best policy. I, I, um, I, I would have thought it would have been like Benjamin Franklin or Lincoln or, or Jefferson or someone like that. In 1599, when I was born, in 1599, um, a guy named Sir Edwin Sandys first said, honesty is the best policy. And get this, he was a politician, okay? Talk about an oxymoron. Politician, honesty is the best policy. Um, the reason why honesty is the best policy is because without honesty, we live deceptive lives and deceptive lies, to the point of where people no longer rely upon us because we've lost our character, our integrity. Can you think of people in your life that you don't lean on anymore because of the decisions that they make? And so many times it just enforces, our decisions are enforced by our disciplines or lack thereof. Am I being honest with myself? Great verse, Proverbs 10, 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks what? Tell me. Securely. You never have to apologize for being a person of integrity. You never have to apologize for that. And the person who walks in integrity walks securely. They're, they're kind of safe. They, they're secure. They, they understand. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Let me give you the third take to heart. Correct decisions are often flogged by our own emotions, self-oriented emotions, or our fleshly desires. How many of you can say you've made a decision sometime in your life out of emotion? I was mad, so I just did it. I was ticked off. I was, I was just surging with lust, so I, I just did it. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was upset, I doubted them, and so, you know, fine. We find ourselves oftentimes making decisions based out of emotion or fleshly desires, and it kind of clouds or blurs the truth. Many of our decisions confirm that our appetites often over, overrule what we know to be true. How many of you have ever gone grocery shopping when you're hungry? There are things you're going to put in the grocery uh, cart that you would never put in had you not been hungry. Because you're hungry and there's that emotion there and there's that fleshly desire of, oh man, I've got to have this. And now you're in the checkout line and your cart is filled, filled with Pop-Tarts and chips and bean dip, okay? You know, yes. And so we find ourselves thinking, why did I do that? Because many of our decisions are based on emotion and that's not always the best decision. Usually when our decisions are based on emotion, um, it leaves us regretting something. That's why pornography, gambling, drinking, sexual immorality, whatever it might be, all of a sudden we let our emotions take over. And how many of you here, let's just be honest tonight, have ever said, what was I thinking? Eight of you, eight of you, okay. The rest of you are liars, liars. 
man, it's just so. Think for a second how many people in Scripture, and I don't know how well you know God's word, but how many people in Scripture made a decision based on emotion, and now they regret it. So you have Sarah and Abraham. There's a famine in the land. They decide to go to Egypt. They're ready to see the Pharaoh in Egypt. Abraham turns to his wife, Sarah, and says, you are absolutely beautiful. But when they inquire about us, don't tell them that I'm your wife. Tell them I'm your brother. You're my sister, okay? He made a decision based out of fear, thinking if he says, this is my wife, they will take him out. You see it time and time and time again. David and Bathsheba, out of emotion, we see lust that is out of control based on emotion. Um, we see also Moses. Moses is in uh, uh, Egypt, and he sees a Hebrew, and he sees an Egyptian, and they're fighting. You remember what Moses does? He kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand, which is really dumb because sand shifts, and you'll find him right away. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, there's a day where there's two Hebrews, and they're fighting. And Moses starts to step in, and they're like, are you going to kill us like you killed the, the Egyptian? And so all of a sudden, his emotion took over of anger, of anger. Um, we see Jacob and Esau. Uh, Esau comes in from, from hunting. He is a hairy man. He's a hairy man, and he, I, I, I can just imagine, you know, he takes his shirt off, and it looks like he didn't, you know, <laughs> just like this wool sweater, you know. And he comes in, and he's so hungry and he's willing to give up his birthright for a bowl of stew. And how many of us would say, no, that's stupid, but we've done the same thing. We have been Esau, minus the hair. And so we, we have so many people in Scripture that made a decision based on emotion or fleshly desires. Take to heart number four. The easiest person to deceive is the one looking back at you in the mirror. The easiest person to deceive is the one looking back at you in the mirror. How many of you have looked in the mirror after a long night and you've gone, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not looking there. I'm, not, I'm done. How many of you have come back and looked yourself in the mirror again and gone, you know what? This is the last time. This is, I mean it. I mean it. I mean, we can stare ourselves down and say, I comes back to the, am I being honest myself? The person that you look in the mirror, that's the person you deceive the most. And how many of you have done that? You don't need to raise your hand. But I've done that plenty of times where I've walked in or shuffled to the bathroom and I've looked in the mirror and I'm like, that's it. Things are changing, aren't, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see him nodding right now. <laughs> and and we, we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. Um, Andy Stanley says this. I'm not a huge Andy Stanley fan, but this is good. He says, if you have to talk yourself into, sell yourself on something, or justify your actions and decision, you are not being truthful to yourself. Nothing changes until we're brutally honest with the person in the mirror. Think about how many times in the decisions you've made, you've had to try to talk yourself into it. You've had to justify your actions. You try to sell yourself on something. Because if you fail to be honest with yourself, eventually you'll fail to be honest with others. And, and you can't make a good decision about your life, your future, 
your spouse, your church, your kids, your business, whatever God's going to have you do, you cannot make a good decision if you're lying to yourself. And so I really want to encourage you tonight because I'm standing up here not as a pastor tonight, but someone who's made some poor choices throughout my lifetime. Now, some of you would say, what, did you steal a pencil? You know, um, and, and yes. Um, <laughs> but there are so many things in our life that we say, man, if I could just redo that, if I could just redo that, um, be honest with the person that looks back at you in the mirror. Take to heart number five. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. The decisions that you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. I didn't sign up for classes. I'll get to it. And now your four-year college experience has now become the Akron U 11-year college experience because you just have said, you know, I'll get to it whenever. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Your decisions will have a ripple effect on your past, present, and future. I don't want you to just see that. I want you to feel it. I want you to embrace it. Because all of us here, including the guy standing up here, has made decisions that has affected his future. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. There are some people that you just gel with. There are some people that you, the moment you get together in this right, Anna, the moment you get together, you just gel with them. You're like, man, I feel like, do you have friends that you maybe haven't seen for a while, and the moment you get back together, you just pick up right where you left off? Those are great people. That's this person right here. This man, his name is Yohani Kapesi. He is from Malawi, Africa. Years ago, I went to Malawi, Africa. I did not want to go. And after going to Malawi, Africa, I said, Lord, if you will give me the chance to go back to Malawi one more time, please, please. And the Lord's allowed me to be there four times. I got to know this man. Loves the Lord. He is a preacher. And we have a great relationship. It's one of those where we automatically gelled, and the moment we see each other, we just pick up right where we were left off. I'm standing in the Malawi airport, if you can even call it an airport, okay? It is hot, and he comes up to me just as I'm getting ready to get on the plane, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he looks right into my eyes, and he says, Craig, because he couldn't say Craig. He called me Craig. He said, Craig, the decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. I don't know what compelled him to say that, but I've never forgotten it. It was something I needed to hear to the point of where it pierced my heart that I'm not the same person that I've been. The decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Interesting, Galatians 6, verses 7 to 9. Do not be deceived. In other words, don't think that you can get away with it. God will not be mocked. For, who, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Look at that. If whatever you sow, you will also reap. May I share this with you as an older guy? You'll reap far more than you sow. You'll make a decision, and it will have a ripple effect. It will affect not just one, two, three, four, but many individuals. 
that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in the due season we will reap if we do not give up. I'm gonna give you a, a verse, we, we missed it, but in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this, never grow tired in doing what's right. Never grow tired in doing what's right. You wanna memorize just one verse? Make it that one. And make it your life first. So the decisions you make today will turn around and make you tomorrow. Here's Andy Stanley again. He says, we must develop the uncomfortable habit of telling ourselves the uncomfortable truth regarding why we are choosing to do what we are choosing to do. We cannot lead people in a healthy way if we're going to lie to ourselves. Why am I doing this? Really? Why am I avoiding them? Really? Why am I holding a grudge against that person? Why do I continue to justify my actions? Why am I looking at this? Why did I eat this, drink this, go there, move out, move in, purchase this, invest in this? Why? And to be honest with ourselves. Your decisions don't just tell a story. They tell your story. And every single one of you here, not visibly, but you've got a ton of chapters already in your life and a ton of chapters you're going to be writing. Make them good ones. Make them ones that you're proud to tell, that you laugh so hard you are in tears. Those are great stories, great chapters. But there's some chapters you would like to just undo. There's some chapters that you think, I don't want to tell anybody about that. Your life tells a story. Last one. Take to heart number six. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. Private decisions almost always have public ramifications. And we know this. But would you be okay if the private decisions that you made went public? Would that be all right with you? If the private decisions that you're making, would you be all right? if they went public. Because a lie that we tell in private eventually becomes reality in public. So he really is what some people have said was the greatest apologetic theologian of our time. I was having breakfast, not with him, but I was having breakfast with this guy and I said his name, Ravi Zacharias. I don't know how many of you are aware of Ravi Zacharias, but at one time was known as the greatest apologetic theologian of our time. And every time Ravi Zacharias came up, people would go, oh, Ravi, he's my man. Man, he's fantastic. And then Ravi Zacharias died recently. And it came out about a lot of immorality that was going on in his life. And now when you say his name, Ravi Zacharias, this is what you get. When someone says your name and the decisions that you made, I hope they don't go like this. I hope they say there's a person that's walking securely in integrity, that they love the Lord, and they're walking with him. So your private decisions almost always have public ramifications. So here's what I like to do. Go to the next slide. Um, I don't know how many of those you just remember, 
but would you just take maybe five minutes and maybe the person beside you or maybe three, don't be by yourself. Don't leave anyone out here. Take a few minutes and say which one of the take to hearts hit closest to home tonight and then share a decision you didn't have to justify or sell yourself on. Rarely do we have to justify or sell ourselves on something that we know to be true. Uh, it's just, it just fits. And then share a decision you talked yourself into and wish you could unmake. So I'm going to give you about five minutes, and then we'll come back. Okay? Go. Okay, let me, uh, let me break in real quick. Hopefully uh, this has spurred on some discussion and uh, maybe you're kind of taking a look and you're thinking. Uh, the, the great thing about uh, being up front speaking is as I'm sharing, you're filtering everything that I'm sharing through your mind. And you're thinking of situations that I would never be thinking of. And you're thinking of decisions that you've made that have been really good, solid decisions and other decisions that you're like, oh man, if I could do it all over again. And so hopefully, uh, just to give you a little bit of the... Um, take to heart uh, tonight has been helpful. But I want to just end by saying this. How can you immediately begin to make better decisions and fewer regrets? Rather than me just saying, go, just make better decisions and fewer regrets. You can do it, you know. How can you do that? One, well, there's two ways. One is really to invite Christ into your decision-making. I think sometimes we, we want him to be a part of our decisions after we make it. We want him to bail us out after we make the decision. Invite him into your decision-making process. And that happens by giving him your life. And I have to tell you, every time there is a baptism in the FLC with one of the Thrive students, I'm sitting there. <laughs> I mean, it is so powerful. Because to see God take you and to transform you is just a joy, a joy for me to see. And so invite him into your decision-making process. And, you know, we, we have always been able to just without apology share that Christ is everything. I came to know Christ when I was 10 years old at a church camp out in Ravenna, Ohio. And I've never regretted it. And any bad, any bad day with Christ is far better than any good day without him. And so I, I, I love the Lord. Have I always been faithful? Not always. There was that one day. And, uh, but I'm telling you, it's so much better when we invite him into our decisions prior to making those decisions. And what happens is we begin to make a decision based on being a truth seeker instead of doing something out of emotion. The second thing is, how can you immediately begin to make better decisions and fewer regrets? It's right here. I mean, if we think we're going to make good decisions in this world, but we're not in the Word, think again. There's too much against us. The odds are against all of us. If you know Christ is your Savior, and you say you're a believer in Christ, but you're not in God's Word, and it's a struggle at times, I know. Man, if we're not in God's Word... We're going to struggle when it comes to making decisions. So how many of you, um, and maybe you've heard this, how many of you have ever, ever done the uh, uh, Metro Park hike? You know, the hiking spree in the fall? Any, anyone? Just raise your hand. Okay, one. The rest of you are lazy. And so 
um, uh, yeah, so my wife and I, every year we say, we're going to do this. And you do about eight hikes, and they give you a stick and a little metal thing on it. You know what I'm talking about? And so my wife and I, every year we're like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do the fall hiking spree. And we do about two hikes, and then we just go to Swenson's, you know. <laughs> we're like, forget it. We, you know what? Let's not even go on a hike. Let's just go to Swenson's. And, and so this year we were bound to determine to get it done. And we went with another couple. We held each other accountable. We did eight hikes. We got the stick. We got the metal thing, you know, and it was great. And so we finished it. The following weekend, it was a gorgeous weekend. It was one of these fall weekends that you're like, man, we got to get out. My wife says, hey, let's go on another hike. I said, yeah, but I don't want to go on a Summit County hike. I said, I've done those so many times. I can do it in my sleep. So let's just go on another hike. And someone had told us about a place called um, Brandywine Falls. Anybody ever been to Brandywine Falls? Oh, yeah, we got some hikers. And so uh, we, we didn't know how, where to go. So we were, you know, GPS, all of this. And uh, we pull in and the place is packed. I mean, everyone's thinking the same thing. Gorgeous fall day, let's go on a hike. And so we're just kind of going around and around, trying to find a spot. And we came around the entrance, and boom, a car was going out. We pulled in, we're like, this is our day, man. This is our day. So we get out, and I see a sign that says Brandywine Falls, and we're like, yes. So we start walking down Brandywine Falls, and I look down. And I see a piece of paper that's folded up. And I don't really think about it. I don't look at it. I just roll it up and I hold it in my hand, thinking I'll find a wastebasket or someplace along the way. And so I just have it in my hand. We see the Brandywine Falls. And we're like, man, this is incredible. And so when you come out of Brandywine Falls, there's another sign that says the Stadford Trail, 1.5 miles. And I looked at Ann and I go, we can do this. We're not that old. We can do 1.5 miles. Okay. And so we walked and we walked. And we walked until we ran out of trail, and we were lost. And we kept walking, and there is nobody around. We're now out on a main road, and it was, like a, a, it was actually like a Hunger Games situation for us. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I'm like, honey, we are lost, and it's getting warm, and I'm I look like a glazed donut. I'm just, you know, it's just... And I was just like, honey, I don't know how to get back. We're waiting and waiting and waiting for trying to find somebody and no one. And so we start walking on this main road. I look at my phone, 4.7 miles away from Brandywine Falls. And I'm like, what in the world? We start walking and it's level and all of a sudden it starts going uphill. I am just dripping and no cars are going by. And then all of a sudden I hear him coming. Here comes this guy on this Harley, big guy on a Harley with one of those saddle uh, butt things, you know, saddle. And, and, and um, my wife flags him down, and he stops, and she's like, hey, we're trying to get back to Brandywine Falls. Do you know where it is? And he goes, oh, you guys are lost. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know we're lost. He said, oh, I, I wouldn't know how to get back to Brandywine Falls except by the road, and I, I just don't know. And my wife has this brilliant idea. She says, is there any way that my husband could sit on the back with you? And he, you could take him all the way to our Honda CRV, and then he could come pick me up? And all I can picture is this. That's all I can picture. And he goes, no, it's, it's just a single seat. And I'm like, 
thank you, Lord. Thank you. He goes, I... He goes, I think if you go that way, there's a horse trail. It might take you back closer to the Brandywine Falls. I just don't know. And at this point, we, we had no idea. And so we just start walking on what we think is this horse trail. And we're out in the woods. And it's a good half an hour yet. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my, mind, corner of my eye, I see a person. And I'm like, yes, yes, it's a person. And we went over there, and we caught the trail. We see other people, and all of a sudden, my wife were like, oh, man, that, that was crazy. And we were making our way back to, to Brandywine Falls, and we're coming to, and we see our CRV. And I'm like, man, we're almost home. We're almost home. And I've got this in my hand the entire time. And I'm ready to throw it away in the wastebasket. And I go to open it up. And it's a map of the entire area. <laughs> the entire area. And as funny as it is to you, <laughs> I mean, we've got the word of God right in front of us, don't we? Every single day. And yet we find ourselves lost in a lot of ways because we didn't take the time to open it up and let God speak to us. And when we're in God's word, Man, I see people who made dumb decisions that I learned from. And I see people who made the right decisions that I learned from. If we just leave it sitting, we'll be lost. We'll have a hard time finding our way home. That's one of the ways that we can make better decisions and fewer regrets. Let me leave you with this out of Philippians Philippians chapter 4 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent, if anything is praiseworthy, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, put these things into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Every single one of us in here tonight, that's what we want. We want peace. When we make the decisions in life, we want peace. And when we make the good decision, when we make the right decision, man, that peace and joy is there. And when it's not, we have a lot of regrets. Better decisions, fewer regrets. The decisions I make today would turn around and make me tomorrow. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. I thank you for this group, Lord. I just ask that you would just use them mightily, that one, they would see the importance of making a commitment to you, that, Lord, you are the one that holds them in the palm of your hand, and you love them, and you want them to come into a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that as we make decisions, whether it be of school or relationships or uh, a business or whatever it is that's going on in our heart and our mind, that, Lord, we would make decisions by inviting you into that decision process. And so, Lord, I pray we would take what we've learned tonight and we wouldn't just go home and chuck it, but that each day is an opportunity to make 
decisions that will honor you. And we thank you. And we ask this in Christ's name.